Kim's sign, um, you can always say to her, happy birthday. Very simple. So during tea and coffee, happy birthday. You got it all wrapped up. Okay, um, we're in um, Matthew chapter 2, and I've entitled this message, Who is King? You know, most people forget that there was a king in Jerusalem at the time when Jesus was born. That king was called King Herod. And these wise men, these magi, they were really astrologers. They've been studying the Old Testament. And as they've been studying the Old Testament, they found out where Jesus was going to be born. You see, Jesus' birth was not something made up by his disciples. No, years ago, even before he was born, these men were searching the Old Testament to find out details of where Jesus was going to be born. And so they, we read these scriptures here. It says in um, verse 6, this verse here was written in the Old Testament, and it says this, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why? Because the Old Testament predicted years ago that he will be born in a specific place. And these wise men were searching the Bible, searching the Old Testament, and they found out that it was in Bethlehem that he was going to be born. And they came to Jerusalem. And they went to Jerusalem and they asked this question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? The reason why they went to Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem there was a palace. And where do you expect to find a king but in the palace? So they go to the palace in Jerusalem and there they ask the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Well, this next verse is where we're going to stay for the rest of our morning because this verse is going to be something we're going to discuss the reply or what happened when that question was asked the next verse is this when king herod heard this he was disturbed and all jerusalem with him other versions will say when king herod heard this he was deeply troubled other versions will say he was deeply disturbed. He was alarmed. He was agitated. When he heard that a king was born in Jerusalem, he was deeply troubled. And the question that I want to put to you this morning is why? Why was this king deeply troubled? Why was he deeply disturbed? Why was he alarmed that there was a king born? Well, four reasons. Well, three really, maybe one at the end. That's not a reason, but three main reasons. First reason, he was concerned because he knew that a king was coming who has power. A king was coming 
who has power. Herod was troubled. You see, in his own life, he was king. Not only was he king in Jerusalem, but other people bowed down and respected him as king. He was king. In fact, if you look at the history books, King Herod held on to power very, very firmly. So much so that he killed three of his sons. Can you imagine that? He murdered three of his sons because he thought to himself, one day they will take my power. So he killed three of his sons. He killed his brother because he wanted to hold on to power. So when he heard this news, that a king was born in Jerusalem, a king was born in Bethlehem, he was disturbed. He was concerned. He protected his power. He protected his authority. He murdered his children just because he was to be king all the time. And when he heard that a king was born, that troubled him. You know, many people love they love Christmas. And uh, even my neighbours, my neighbours are Sikhs. They put up the Christmas tree the other week. And through the walls, we heard them singing Away in a Manger and We Free Kings. Me and Kim smiled at one another. Then they carried on with um, Last Christmas and rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> Everyone loves Christmas. And the thing is, people love the Jesus in the manger. They love that. They love the story of Jesus, the baby Jesus in the manger. But then speak about him being king. Hold on. I'm with you as far as the baby in the manger. But when you speak to me about Jesus being king, then I have a problem with you. Then I have a problem with Christmas. I like the baby, but I do not like the king. You know, when me and Kim, when our children were small, we loved taking our children out to the zoo. And Kim loved the zoo herself. And, and, and we go out to the zoo. And, and one of the, the favorite attractions is the big cats. And we take our children to the tigers and to the lions. And we say, go on, have a look. And they put their nose right up to the window so they can look at the lions. Where the tigers will come to the cages and see the, the big cats just walking around. They loved it. Well, a few years ago in um, Atlanta, Georgia, a weather storm was, was terrible over in Atlanta and it wrecked a zoo. And the wild animals, the wild cats got out. Some tigers got out. One big tiger got out. And nobody wanted to bring the children to look at the tiger then. No, in fact, that tiger murdered or killed, didn't murder, killed a man in the town centre. Because the tiger and the lions were safe behind the glass. But when they were out, a different story. One of the greatest writers that England had ever produced lives only, or lived only about an hour away from here. He lived in Oxford. His name is C.S. Lewis, one of the famous writers. He wrote books like Mere Christianity, 
and screw tape letters and a bunch of others, but he also writes something that you might be aware of. He wrote the, the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And some of you may not have read the book, but you have seen the movie. But in the movie, you know, um, C.S. Lewis, being a Christian, he made this story and he detailed in this story and he made it about the Bible. And do you know what he, um, he says in this story? Let me just put up a verse to you, first of all. Here's a, here's a snippet from the book. And he speaks of Aslan. Aslan represents Jesus in the book. And he says in the book, Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe. But he's good. He is the king, I tell you. It's a wonderful little extract in that book. Because in the Bible, we read in the Bible, let's get that first, that Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the seal. You see, Jesus is called a lion in the Bible. And this lion is not safe. He's good. God is good. He's always good. But you need to remember who you're coming towards. You need to remember who the Christ is. The Christ is depicted in the Bible as a lion. And nobody wants to meet a lion. And the problem with Christianity today, the problem with Christmas today, is people like the idea of a baby, but they do not like the idea of a king. They like the idea of a little child, but they do not like the idea of a lion. And I want to tell you this morning, that Jesus, yes, born in a manger, yes, born as a baby, but has a title. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise be to God. And that's who we worship in today. I want to lay that out to you first before I go further. I want you to know that I'm not just talking about anybody. I'm speaking to you about the one who is the eternal son of God who deserves respect, who deserves reverence and honor. A lion demands that. Now, you can even be like King Herod and be deeply concerned that this Jesus is a king. Or you can rejoice greatly that Jesus Christ is your defender. I'd rather have a lion on my side. I'd rather have the king on my side. And you can rejoice about that. Or you could be like King Herod, who was deeply concerned. What am I going to do? There's a king born in my neighborhood. What am I going to do? How can I get rid of him? And you can be concerned and agitated. Or you can rejoice. 
So the first thing that he was concerned about was that someone was coming with power. The second thing he was concerned about was that someone was coming with authority. Someone was coming with authority. Let's go back to that verse again. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. All Jerusalem, it says here, with him was disturbed. The reason being is that when a new king comes in, he changes things. And two things that he was going to change in Jerusalem. The reason why two groups of people in Jerusalem that I believe were disturbed and worried, the first that was disturbed and worried, I believe, were the religious people in Jerusalem. Well, obviously they were disturbed. We read in the Bible here that the King Herod, he called the chief priest and the teachers of the law. And he said, what's going on? I hear there's a king. And they too were disturbed. I'll tell you the reason why religious people were disturbed in Jerusalem. Because they had everything they wanted in Jerusalem. King Herod built one of the temples there. They had their religion. They had their, 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 their structures. They had their high priests and low priests. They had everything they wanted around them. But they didn't have God. And so when they heard that a new king was going to come in, they were disturbed. Listen, I need to speak about the church in England in the 21st century. Not every church, but I need to speak about the church. I want to say the church today, they have all their beautiful buildings. They have their vicars and their priests. They have their hymns and their organs. They have everything set up. But one thing so many of these churches do not have, they do not have God. One thing so many of these churches have, they do not have the Holy Spirit working within the building itself. They have everything all set up, but one thing they have in God is the Spirit of the living God. And when they heard that a king is coming, they don't want to know. I want to tell you, when Jesus walked into a temple, you know what he did? When Jesus went into a temple, he saw um, them doing stuff in his temple. And he, sorry, I missed that verse out. Well, let's go on. What he did, he went into a temple. You guys know it. He turned the tables upside down. He went into the church of the temple and he saw them selling this and selling that. And he went in and he turned everything around. And then he said these words. He said, destroy this temple. And I will raise it up in three days. In other words, it's all about me. It's not about the building. It's not about the temple. In Jerusalem or anywhere else, it's not about the church. Destroy this temple, he says, this body. And I will raise it up in three days. Why? Because it's all about me. It's about Christ. And I think in Jerusalem, they were disturbed because they realized that a king was coming and he's going to change everything. That's why they were disturbed. Religious people get disturbed, you know. They come to church and they want everything the way it always has been. But when the spirit of God comes, they get uncomfortable and they get disturbed. But not only do religious people get disturbed... But there's another people in Jerusalem, they were called the mob or the crowd. 
the mob or the crowd, they were happy having a crooked king in Jerusalem. They were happy having a crooked king. You know, if you've got a crooked boss and you're crooked, you're quite happy having him in boss. If you've got a crooked judge and you're crooked, you're glad you're standing before a crooked judge. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to tell you, these people, they were happy having a crooked king. But when the authorities wanted, when the authorities wanted Jesus to be crucified, who did they get on their side? When the authorities wanted Jesus to be crucified, who did they ask to get on the side? Well, we see it in the Bible. It was the crowd. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd and have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you, are, you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Them. Crucified him, they shouted. That's what a crowd will do. The crowd will come against the king of the Jews and they will say, we don't want this man to rule over us. Get rid of him. Crucify him. That's what the crowd will say. So when the king came into Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem was disturbed. Not only the religious, but the crowds and the mob. I want to tell you, we've got some crowds in this church as well, you know. We've got some people who will fit in very well with the mob in this church, in every church. And they will turn around and say, you know what? I don't want this Jesus to rule over me. Get rid of him. I'd rather have Barabbas. I'd rather have a dirty criminal. I'd rather have him released. But as for Jesus, don't let him rule in my life. Get rid of him. That is the cry of the crowd. They weren't happy that Jesus was born in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem. What about you? Where do you fit in? Are you part of the crowd? You come to church and you sit here but in your heart you say to yourself, I don't want this Jesus to be king. I'd much rather have him in the fringe. Much rather have him at arm's length. But I don't really want him to be king. Is that you this morning? A king was born in Bethlehem. And the people were disturbed. Deeply concerned. So not only were they disturbed because of the power that was coming, not only they were disturbed because the authority was coming, but thirdly, they were disturbed because real worship was coming. You see, this, um, this man, this, uh, this king here, he turns around and he, he knows that you need to worship a king. So Herod turns around and says this. That verse again that we're going to stay on. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And then it says this. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. See, this king, this Herod, he knew that when a king comes, he will have to take off his crown, take off his royal robes, get off of his throne, and bow his knee and worship this new king. He knew that. 
So he says to the Magi, to the wise men, you go and find him. When you find him, tell me of his whereabouts and I will go and I will worship him. Well, people are not stupid today, you know. People know that when a king had arrived, people know that a king needs worship. People are not stupid, you know. They know that if a king arrives, they will have to get down from their throne. They will have to get down from being boss and come and worship. They know that. But when a king comes, there's a change. It happened in the book of Acts. Because when Paul and Silas went into a church, into a town called Thessalonica, they went into that town and began to preach. Let me show you what happened in Acts 17. They began to preach. But when they, and the people got really angry, really annoyed. And so they, um, it says in the Bible, when they did not find Paul and Silas, they dragged out this man Jason and some other believers before the city, officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have come now here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Why were they thrown into turmoil? Well, because Caesar is king. Caesar is the one that we should bow to. Caesar is the one that we should worship. But now there's another king that has arrived. Someone called Jesus, who, who demands not worship to Caesar, but worship to him. And that caused the whole city to go into turmoil because another king has arrived. How about your life? You see, people, they, they know. They know that Jesus, if you, got, if you say that Jesus is king, they know that they have to worship him. So they'd much rather push him away and say, no, I have the baby, but I won't have the king. Because if I have the king, I know that I have to worship him. Because he's a king. That's why. It's amazing how people want to avoid this king. But this king is a good king. I say that again. This king is a good king. And he turns around and he says, cast all your anxieties, all your cares, all your worries upon me. Because I care for you. This king is a good king. This king Turn around, the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will keep you. He will uphold you. He will strengthen you. Cast all your cares on him. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He's a good king. He's a good king. Praise be to God. I need to recommend this king to you this morning. I will say to you, take down that king called I and set up this wonderful glorious, I recommend him to you this morning let me close with my last final point here 
they knew, that maybe they knew, I don't know they know this, but when this baby was born, he was going to bring salvation. People take drastic measures to stay away from Christ, you know. People take drastic measures to keep the king out. It was no different to Herod. When Herod heard that a king was born, he didn't like it. And the Bible says this is what he did. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. In other words, he was so furious that he went out and he started killing babies. Every boy, two years old and under, was murdered by this man. Why? Because he wanted to find this king and get rid of him from his kingdom. People take drastic measures. You know, today people will go to the extreme not to confront the king. They will refuse to have a Bible in their house. I don't want any Bible in my house. They will stop their children from going to Sunday school. Some years ago, we had a holiday Bible club in this church, and the children came up the streets, and the parents sent them to the, to the church, and as they were playing different games, there was also Bible songs and Bible stories. One parent came up, red face. He wasn't a black man, by the way, he was a white guy. That's why he was red faced. <laughs> and he came out. What are you doing teaching my child about the Bible? I don't want, I send my child to church to play games, not to learn about the Bible. He was furious. Some people only want to come to church for weddings and funerals. They don't want, they want to stay far away. They will go to extreme measures. And our society is not helping. The Gideons, used to put Bibles in schools and in, and in prisons and in hotel rooms. But a growing number of schools are saying, we don't want your Gideon Bible. You know, it's a crime. You can, put, you can get put in prison, even in this country, for speaking about what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. You can go to prison these days. With one voice, our nation, with one voice, men have rejected this king and will go to extreme levels to say, we do not want him. But I want to leave you with this final verse. From Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful Witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Whatever you think of Jesus, he is the ruler of the kings. He is the king of kings. But not only is he the ruler of the kings, the Bible says that this ruler of the kings of the earth came down into Bethlehem, ended up 
on a cross. And this king was nailed to this cross so that men and women will be set free from sin. This king was not like the kings of the earth, you know, who want to be able to be served. No, 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 no. This king of kings came down to serve you and me. I want to recommend this king to you this morning. Because as people run around that Christmas time and they go to the children's nativity place and they see the stories on the television and they see this baby, they only see a baby and that's all they want to see because their eyes are closed because they don't want to see who this baby really is. He is the king of glory. He is the king of kings. And he's the one who's king of your life. Whether you like it or not, he is still king. Whether you accept him or not, he is still king of your life. Doesn't change his position because you've changed your mind. He is king. And the only right worship is for you and I to bow down and say, Lord, have your way in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just pray.